Welcome to Preparing for Divorce, a monthly podcast to support those considering preparing for or navigating through divorce. This podcast is sponsored by Mainline Family Law Center, a divorce mediation firm that takes a holistic, integrated approach to assisting clients in navigating divorce in a healthy way. I am Pamela Elaine, your host for these monthly support podcasts. To all the listeners, thank you for taking the time to join my guest and me today. I acknowledge your commitment to being well-informed and delighted that you have chosen Mainline Family Law Center as a resource. Just a little bit about me, your host. I am the mother of three teenagers and a preteen. I was married for 18 years and have been divorced for over four years. In my search for answers how to thrive, not just survive after divorce, I started a journey of personal development and healing. As a result, I now speak and train on the topic of emotional intelligence and resilience. I appeared on the Dr. Oz Show to share my story and published a book, Muddy High Heels, 14 Lessons Learned from My Breakdown, Break Up, and Break Through. I'd be honored if you like and follow my Facebook pages, Divorced Single Mom Success and Divorced Single Dad Success. For those of you who are new to our podcast, you are tuned into a conversation between my guest and me to bring you valuable information about a specific topic related to divorce. To keep you engaged in the conversation between my guest and me, as well as to add a bit of levity to what can be heavy topics at times, I divide the conversation into six interesting segments. The topic of today's podcast is creating a new family after divorce. If you are thinking about or already in the middle of a divorce or your divorce is final, you will want to listen carefully to my conversation with my guest. Why? Two reasons. One, it's quite likely you will have to deal with or be involved in the dynamics of a blended or step family. Two, the statistics about blended or step families is a bit disturbing, and with knowledge, you can plan a healthier experience and a better future. A couple of quick statistics about that. The U.S. Bureau of Census cites 1,300 new step families are forming every day. Over 50% of U.S. families are married or remarried, excuse me, or recoupled. One out of two marriages ends in divorce. I think we know that. 75% remarry, and 66% of those living together or remarried break up when children are involved. My guest will introduce you to the ideas and tasks to help you think about and better plan for creating your new family after divorce. My guest is also co-author of a book soon to be published called Move Out, Move On, Move In. Let's begin our first segment, Getting to Know You. I'd like to introduce my guest, Dr. Joyce Fine. Dr. Joyce Fine specializes in psychotherapy with adults, couples, and families, provides psychological evaluations, and works as a coach 
with individuals and couples deciding whether or not to divorce or those going through divorce. In her work in particular, she companions clients through the overwhelm frequently involved in this process. And she acts as a thought partner. I like that. Dr. Fine helps ground clients and guides them to use their thinking skills rather than acting from an emotional state when making critically important decisions. Dr. Fine's website is drjoycefine.com. Welcome, Joyce. Hello. Hello, Joyce. Hello. Hi, do you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Yes. Good. Well, Joyce, please say hello to the listeners and tell us more about yourself, how you got into the work you do, and what drives you to help others. Okay, thank you. So I am a psychologist, and I went through my own divorce about seven and a half years ago. And at that point, I considered doing some divorce work, but I realized that it was a little too soon and that I should wait a while before jumping into that realm just because it was so um, still active for me. So uh, a few years later, I decided that I wanted to learn more about working with people with divorce, and I trained to do some custody evaluations which take place when people have trouble deciding how they're going to organize their new lives and where the children will be when uh, in terms of which parent they'll be with. And I decided not to do that work because it's very stressful and even though I enjoyed it a little bit, I, it, it felt very difficult. People are generally not satisfied with what you end up recommending to the courts. So from there, um, like six months after I finished doing that, I was still thinking, what can I do with divorce in addition to doing psychotherapy with people going through divorce? So I found a course and I became a certified divorce coach. And that's different than therapy because as a divorce coach, as you said, I companion people through, their, through the journey and their thought processes to help them make good, good decisions. Uh, being a divorce coach, when I work with people, it's different than therapy because therapy is insight-oriented and you get a lot more information about the past. But divorce coach, coaching is more focused on helping people move through this process in the most grounded way so they can have the healthiest divorce possible. Um, and another skill that I got along the way was learning how to mediate divorce. Um, I'm the mother of two teenage children and mostly my divorce went well. We mediated it, and it was good for about five years. And then after I became a divorce coach, it got very tricky when my ex-husband got involved with someone else. So at this point, my passion in working with people is to really help them avoid, even more than I understood before, what happens when things become high conflict. And to try to keep communication open, to keep respect going between partners divorcing, and to really help them plan well for their children and how to take good care of their children despite whatever differences they have with a partner. And also along the way, uh, some friends of mine were interested in writing a book and they were telling me some of their thoughts about it and then they didn't have time to keep working on it and I turned around and said to them, 
um, hey, I'd love to work on your book with you because I have a background in publishing and writing. So that is the book that, um, that you've mentioned, Pamela. Yeah, that's a great introduction. Do, do you mind giving a little bit more explanation to your statement that things got a little tricky when your ex got involved with someone else? Is that related <laughs> to the topic here at hand? Or I'm just curious about that. Um, it's related in some ways. Um, the majority of people who get divorced do not have a high-conflict divorce. So um, our book is geared towards anyone. Anyone can use it. It can be helpful because it breaks down different stages of this process of getting divorced and then moving on with your life. But in terms of how some extra pieces will be put in and informed by my experience, sure. And in terms of my work with people, yes, because I have understood as a psychologist what happens when people are in conflict and how that makes things more difficult. But when I started getting these curveballs out of nowhere, it seemed, where the schedule was being changed without my agreement, uh, someone was not responding to my emails, I was blocked from a cell phone, that you know, my ex-husband's cell phone, um, so part of what's in the book that's helpful with that kind of stuff or that kind of unexpected change is we support people to think about what their boundaries are and what is theirs to be able to impact and change and how separating from one's marriage partner um, in terms of both physically separating and mentally, this comes into play here. For example, uh, because we had had over five years of what I considered a good divorce, and many of my friends said, wow, you guys really communicate well, and suddenly that was all turned on its head, um, I had to come up the learning curve. And it took me a long time. It took me about a year and a half to understand that I was no longer having good parenting with my ex-husband, that I could no longer talk to him about things that the children told me that went on in his house because I tr as I tried to parent with him about it, the kids got a lot of flack. And they mm -hmm. started so they couldn't talk to me about things because I would talk to their dad about it. So that was a really hard lesson to learn. Um, and that can be considered part of you know, moving on if there's high conflict that you actually really have to limit much more than maybe you had anticipated in terms of communication with someone. Because really, what the book stresses is that in general, um, good communication between a person and their children and between them and their soon-to-be or already ex-spouse is critical. That, you know, that there's still workings of a sort of scattered family that need to be coordinated. And when someone thwarts that communication or starts changing the game plan without agreement or even understanding of the other pieces involved, it creates mayhem and people get hurt. So I in the book, we want to help guide people through anything in these stages. But if someone has a high-conflict divorce, they'll need a little bit more than our book. And there's other books I can recommend or people can contact me to get information on. Well, let's let's move into the book then. That's a nice segue to our second segment, Get to the Point of Creating a New Family After Divorce. So you already started talking a little bit about the book. Why don't you give us a little bit more of an overview of what Move Out, Move On, Move In is about and why it's Move Out, Move On, and Move In? Okie dokie. 
So this book is a roadmap, basically, to dismantling a marriage when such a marriage involves children. In essence, it offers best practices for families reconfiguring and reorganizing themselves after divorce. There's so many changes that go on. So the book illustrates three primary healthy breakup stages. Number one, moving out of a relationship and possibly moving out of a home. Number two, moving on with one's life and new role as a single head of a household. And then number three, moving into a new relationship. And, and moving out and moving on can help prepare a person to then move in. Um, and if they don't move out or move on enough before they move in, whether physically or just emotionally with a new partner, a lot of um, confusion can happen and, again, hurt feelings and misunderstandings. And these are the kinds of things that can add up to cause problems in a new relationship. While the book's being written for divorcing or divorced parents, many of its principles can also be used by people who don't have children. Um, and we recommend that people move through these stages in order, though they do overlap to some degree. And everybody is going to have a different experience of divorce and starting a new relationship. So we don't say you've got to go through this exactly sequentially in a very clean-cut way between the stages. But we do really recommend that people try to sort of follow a certain progression as much as possible. Um, and making, a, for example, making a physical move out of a home doesn't mean that a person has emotionally separated from their role in that home or from their belongings in that home. So it's important to do, to do an emotional separation as well as a physical one to just, you know, if a person keeps going back to uh, a, a home where their family is on a regular basis over an extended period of time, they're not really separating for the most part. That's a general statement, and there are specifics where that doesn't apply. But uh, moving on after moving out includes closing that last emotional chapter in your life before beginning a new one. In short, this book is about redefining who you are in relation to your spouse or long-term partner if you haven't been married, and then who you are as you move on from that relationship and recreate your identity as a single person with new boundaries and priorities. And then again, creating new boundaries and structures as you move into a new committed relationship. Okay, that's so sort of let's, the, the general introduction. That's that's great. And let's now go a little bit more um, ground level with this. So let's break down, move out. Let's break down, move on, and let's break down, move in for a few moments. So let me just be very raw about this. So move out, like get your stuff out if you're moving or and move into some other place. It's get the gathering of your things so that you and your partner are no longer in the same space or what does that really mean, move out practically? So what it really means is three. there's three sort of areas. One is, yes, physically move out. Take your stuff or divvy up the stuff that's there, or maybe get some new stuff. Um, but moving out, all of these phases have physical components as well as emotional and psychological components, psychological mm -hmm. components. Um, and then there's also financial components to it. So, you know, one financial mm -hmm. piece of moving out, you know, could be 
remove joint accounts, you know, get rid of sharing uh, credit cards and bank accounts and things like that. Um, also, if you share a membership to the gym, maybe you stop doing that once someone moves out in order to start the separation in a clear way. Um, and in terms of emotionally, I'm removing a wedding ring. And again, that's mm -hmm. a very personal decision, but, but we plot that in the move-out phase. It might be more mm -hmm. in the move-on phase because everybody's different, right? Some people, once they decide to get a divorce, they act on it very quickly or their partner acts on it very quickly. Some people talk about getting divorced for three years. So they've already, maybe, maybe one of them more than the other or maybe both of them have already started the emotional moving out and they're almost done with that. And it, it becomes just much more pragmatic. Every couple is different, but in general, this is the kind of structure that we're recommending. Did I answer that fully enough? Yeah, yeah. Move that's on part? That, okay. So, so that was the move out, the physical, the emotional, and the financial in terms of moving out. All, yes. all three phases, you say, have the physical component, emotional component, and financial component. So if you could just go back to a sec for a second to the emotional component of moving out. You mentioned that, because I think people get the physical and I think people get the financial. Uh, the emotional part you mentioned, for example, the removing of the ring, although that could be part of the moving on, certainly. Is there another mm -hmm. example you can give on the emotional level regarding moving out? Yes. So uh, when you move out, you're basically, it, it, it's, an announcement, if you will, to oneself and one's partner that this relationship as it is. is so what that means is this person is no longer going to be your spouse. And again, people are going to do this in different time frames and in different ways. But, uh, for example, one couple that I've worked with, the, um, the woman, I'll call her Jessica, was upset with her uh, partner Larry. They're in a committed relationship after he had been married for about 30 years. And so when Larry and Jessica moved in together, she was very upset that his now ex-wife was still texting throughout the day, here and there in the evening. And she said, it feels like the two of you are still married. Like, you're with me now. She shouldn't be texting you this often. And he said, well, what do you mean? And, and their children are adults and grown, so they didn't need to manage after-school activities, getting kids to practice or to school or anything like that. And he said, well, what do you mean? She's my friend. We've been married for all this time. And Jessica was saying, I, I can't tolerate this. It's, it's me or it's her. Now, people may have different reactions to this. Um, some people are can handle different boundaries. But ultimately, what Larry needed to do for Jessica to feel like she was his mainstay, you know, his new priority, was he needed to text his ex-wife, or actually I think he met and had a conversation with her and said, look, um, it's fine if we text and it's fine if we email, but we really can't be in contact this often. Mm -hmm. I've got and, someone and the, else. And these are fictitious names I, I think you mentioned earlier, right? Yes. These aren't actual right, names. Right, yeah, okay, sorry, sorry to clarify uh -huh. that. No. Yeah. Yes, I will not give any real names or real identifying factors when I talk about people. <laughs> yes, thank yes, you for I saying that, Pamela. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so, okay, I get that. And you know, moving, move, move out 
has, I think it's, I don't know, maybe this is just my own personal opinion about it, but it seems to be the, might be the hardest of the three components, the physical and the financial. Like physically, again, it's very clear and cut. I get my stuff, you get your stuff. Financially, it mm-hmm. seems clear and cut. I move, I move my, my accounts from your name, vice versa. We're no longer on the same membership. That seems cut and clear. It's the emotional part that seems so fluid and maybe even the most unclear how to navigate that because there's doesn't seem like there's really an endpoint to it. Well, uh, an endpoint. I'm not sure exactly what you mean by that because things do change over time. And one of the goals of moving out and then moving on is that you have room for someone to move in or to move in with someone. Mm -hmm. And in terms of an endpoint, like one thing that comes to mind is one of the things that I did which I wouldn't repeat if I were to get divorced again, was about, I don't know, four years after I had been divorced. Uh, and I was on friendly terms with my ex-husband. We got along very well. Was I moved and bought my son a loft bed and needed it constructed um, sort of in a hurry. And I had asked him to help with it. And he didn't then... He's very handy, and I was unpacking and doing a lot of other things, and he's very handy, and he didn't then express that he had a problem with that. And then like a year later, after things had changed and were no longer uh, okay between the two of us, my son said to me, yeah, you shouldn't have had dad help make, put my bed together. And to me, I thought, well, what was the problem? And... To some people, there would be no problem, but apparently my ex-husband had a problem with it but didn't tell me. And I thought, well, it's for our son. Like, I'm not having him put together my bed. But some people might be okay with that and some wouldn't. So while we have clear structures of samples of moving out and moving on, different people are going to have those. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Are, are people going to yeah. have them differently? Yeah, right. I get that. Well, then let's move on to the move on then, the physical, emotional, and financial components of move on. What are they? Mm-hmm. So moving on for some people in terms of both an emotional and physical component is where do you put pictures of the new family, of your – I'm sorry, I didn't explain what I mean by new family, but where do you put pictures in your place when you're – ex-spouse or the person you're separating from doesn't live there. So Mm. do you have them in the living room or in the kitchen? Some people might be comfortable with that. We generally recommend not doing that and say, you know what, you can put pictures of the kid's other parent in their bedroom. Their bedroom should be warm. It should feel good to them. It should have familiar things. But the living, the shared living space, you want to open a new space. And what I said a minute ago about in the new family is that we're using the lingo. I'm not sure how it's going to play out in, once the book is totally finished, but we're using lingo that when you move on and after you've moved out and you're with your children, either in a new environment or just without the other parent, you sort of are a new family. It's a single-parent household family, and things are going to be different. Things are going to be different physically. Things are going to be different financially probably. 
and things are definitely different emotionally. So move on might be not having reminders of the other person in common space, but acknowledging that the kids can have that, those reminders in their own room. Moving on can be stop talking about your prior marriage. So one rule that we wrote down is on, on a date with a new person, you have 10 seconds for every year of marriage to dwell on the prior marriage, meaning <laughs> when you go on a date with someone new, don't <laughs> harangue about your ex-spouse or about uh-huh. the marriage. That's not that, sexy. That that's clearly proves you haven't moved on. Yeah, you haven't <laughs> moved on quite much. If, that's, if on a new date you're talking about your ex, that's a big red flag, right. I think. Now, now, many people might do it a little bit, but, but again, because it's part of their history if they're talking about it, but, but to go on about it means yeah. you're not really, you know, you're not near ready to move in again. But it's part of moving on is let is shedding that and you know um, letting go of that as a part of your identity and identity is a, is a smaller piece of the emotional part of all of this because when a person is married they have an identity maybe as a son or a daughter or a brother or something but for sure they have a hus- uh, an identity as a spouse for a man a husband for a woman as a wife, and that changes once you move out. Or that's part of what needs to get flushed through in the move out stage. The, the son or daughter, sister or brother, father or mother identity sticks, but the husband or wife identity takes time to let go of and needs mm-hmm. to be transformed into a, dif- a different name of a working relationship with your kid's other parent. Yeah. Can, can you that's honestly... Started, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go no, ahead. No. You're my guest. <laughs> no, 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 you go. <laughs> um, no, please, go ahead and finish your thought. Well, I, I was just going to talk about some other things about, you know, moving on and, and you know, yeah. maybe getting... Uh, you know, people talk about having rituals or ceremonies mm-hmm. for a new place. For some people, that would work really well. For some, not so well. But maybe getting at least one, and everybody has different budgets or lack thereof, but maybe finding one new something, piece of art, pillow, blanket to put in the living room, um, piece of poetry that you write and frame on a wall, uh, something new to mm-hmm. make a place your own is can be like literally a fresh breath air. I don't know what the feng shui wording for it would be, but something mm-hmm. to make you to support you in claiming your new space. Yeah. Maybe a symbol of some hobby that you used to love to do when you were single and then didn't have time to do, you know, once you got married and had children, but you might like to reclaim. So put it on the wall for the time that you can get to that or start mm-hmm. making a plan to get to it. Just different things to remind you that this is your new space, it's different than where you've been, and it's up to you to put it together. And obviously in a way that also is healthy for your children, but we're focusing focusing mostly on the parental identity here. Yeah. How how does one know that one has moved on? Like are are there specific signposts that say you have actually moved on or is it still rather fluid, Joyce? Is it still rather what? Fluid. 
it's you know it's both okay. so it can be that one day you wake up and you realize that you haven't um, had a thought about the last detail that you need to get nailed down. For example, mm-hmm. I have a client now that I'm working with, post-divorce, she came to me, and she got divorced in March. And in her divorce agreement, there's a bunch of different financial pieces that needed to be finished after the divorce. So one big goal of hers was to refinance a home uh, that she owned, that, that the couple owned and is currently a rental property. And she lives, they both live elsewhere now, have moved into new places. And it became sort of a quagmire to get this done because of payments that were supposed to be made to her that were not. And that was going to guarantee her a certain income that would help her refinance the home. And excuse me, that fell through. Her ex-husband had stopped making those payments. So she really was thrown into a very chaotic, difficult situation. But she did a lot of homework. She spoke to a lot of people. And she managed to refinance the house Anyway, and when she came in, after that was done, I'm telling you, she looked like a different person. Mm. She, wow. those ties to him, those financial ties to him, mm-hmm. and to some degree the emotional because she had to work with him to get paperwork to get all that finished, even though he wasn't making the payments to her, she, it, she was done. She mm. is moving on with no more weight on her shoulders of what still needs wow. to be untied. That is done. She owns the home. Financially, it's a huge uh, asset for her and will give her passive income what she needs because she has an illness. She just That's one thing that's both um, physical, financial, and emotional. And, and uh, she's moved on with example. that. Yeah, and it sounds like one, because again, you pointed out earlier on in the conversation that everyone is different. So move on yes. to one person is going to look different to someone else. For example, and, and even within that, there might even be phases of moving on. Like you're, you're, yes. you were once one place and move on, and now you're at another place of pro- progression. For example, I remember early on in my divorce, in my daughter's room, she put up on her pin board, a picture of her with her mother, me, and her father when she was a baby. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. would tell her, take that picture down. (laughs) I just couldn't Mm -hmm. bear the sight of seeing that Mm -hmm. picture. And then Mm -hmm. one day, I, and it's not like I just woke up in one day, but you get it, like there was progress. I had to work on myself. But one day, she put that picture back up, and I was like, that's a nice picture. <laughs> That's a decent picture. <laughs> yes. And I was okay yes. with it. And then, and then the last example I just want to throw in here in terms of the progression, one can progress through this, uh, move on, is that when I knew that I was, like, graduated, <laughs> when I had graduated from mm-hmm. this phase, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was when mm-hmm. I saw for the first time my ex and his girlfriend and I was able to approach her with as much graciousness as I could possibly muster. And I had no mm-hmm. ill feelings towards him, nothing against her. I said hello, told her that I had heard nice things about her, and then went on about my business. And I, I'm going to tell you, Joyce, I felt like such a big girl. 
<laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And so it's there funny are phases of moving on. Yes. Yes. And I was going to yeah. give so, even like, a lesser ahead, example. Oh, do you yeah. need to go on? No, I want you to give that example, oh. and then we'll talk about move in really quickly, and then we'll go on to our, our third segment. Okay. Okay. Um, I was going to give like a, a more less profound example, but very similar to what you said, and say something like at a um, baseball game of your, you know, your, if people have a child playing baseball, and then they see their ex-spouse there, to not mm-hmm. feel angry anymore, to not feel so full of pain or shame or fury or just, you know, just some little or hurt. And to be able yeah. to just, you know, say hello de- decently like you did, it, it can take a lot to muster that up. And it may yeah. be that that's just not a possibility for one month or six months or two years, depending on each individual and the couple and family's history. So that was yes. a great example. Thank you, Pamela. Yeah. Oh, sure. And, you know, I would say to all the listeners that once you can get to that phase of having moved on, however you define it, it is such a place of peace. And I would want to encourage every listener to just determine what you want to move on from and then plan in your mind and your heart to move on from that. It's just, it's the best place to be out of, you know, being in complete turmoil and utter emotional distress. Uh, So let's quickly talk about the move in, and then I want to ask you about a resource that's made the biggest difference for you. Okay. So in terms of moving in, there's the obvious physical stuff. Um, When you have a new partner and you move in together, again, if you can financially, it's good to buy some new things that are yours together. And we recommend generally not having in the new household anything that was really emotionally laden, like maybe you don't have uh, a wedding gift that reminds you every time you see it of your ex. Or you don't Mm -hmm. use that gorgeous platter because even though you're comfortable with it and you used to have it with your ex, your new partner, you know, gives them the heebie-jeebies. And they're like, no, I don't, you know, this this is our household. So moving in means having the space inside yourself emotionally to commit to somebody else and to prioritize them and with them to create a new relationship with as little interference uh, emotionally from the last one. So mm. there, you know, and, and then you put new family photos in the living room that reflect the yeah. new relationship not the old relationship, except for, I mean, there can be pictures of just the kids or you with your kids. But include the new person in, in things that are visible in the family. And also, um, you know, if you forget, you know, many of us that get divorced every year on our anniversary, we remember it's our anniversary. So if you forget mm-hmm. that this would have been your 32nd anniversary, Great. <laughs> or, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have to forget that, but for some people they consider that like a victory. Or now you might yeah. say, um, I'm now married to this new person um, longer, you know, than I was to the other person. If it was a short marriage, or different things like that. And yeah. also moving in means bringing your new partner into some of the parenting, even though they are not the new parent they are still a respected adult in the household. So they might 
you know, have some requirements about things different, things going differently. For example, one couple that I'm working with, um, the man's children um, have uh, less than perfect table manners. And the woman is very conscious about these things, not in a uh, superficial way, but like the kid, the man's kids make a lot of noise when they chew and they chew with their mouth open and talk with their mouth open. And that just oh. really irks the woman. And, and she's I not hear that. that, right? Right? Yeah. Needed, needing to bring that up to him and say, look, if I'm going to be yeah. in the picture and my daughter, who has great manners, I really need you to, you know, work with your kids on this. I know it's going to take some time. It's not going to happen overnight, but uh, we need, you know, so that's, that's moving in. That's saying, I need to be accommodated here. Yeah. And That's so there needs to be a example. lot of communication. Yeah. So I could go on, and but I know. With one I, example, I know, I and I could go on about. with you because I have like 17 comments about just that one example. <laughs> <laughs> Talking with your mouth full. <laughs> so let's move on really quickly. I do have one. I would like for you to tell the listeners, what's a book or resource that made the biggest difference for you? Okay. So um, there's actually three, two that I read before I got divorced that helped me realize that I wasn't maiming my children for life by getting a divorce mm. because I yeah. used to think about getting divorced and I had trouble inhaling air because I was so mm. concerned about what it would do to my children. So one book is called For Better or For Worse by uh, E. Mavis Hetherington. One book is called The Good Divorce by Constance Ahrens. And both mm-hmm. of those uh, talk about different research and the concerns that a lot of parents have about what divorce will do to their kids and show that if it's a healthy divorce, the kids will actually fare better than they will if you stay in a really bad divorce with a lot of, I'm sorry, in a rough marriage that has a lot of conflict because that hurts kids too. Um, Anyway, they talk about a lot of other things. I'm just trying to do this quickly. The third book is called The Remarriage Blueprint. And that is very helpful to people considering how to move on, but it's very different than our book. It's not as pragmatic a book. Ours is really sort of a how-to. This book does highlight several different couples' experiences and places where they sort of got stuck. So it's a good read, The Remarriage Blueprint. Awesome. All right, are you ready for segment three, Going Rogue? I am. I am. All right, so I will make Let's go. Okay, <laughs> this is my favorite segment. I will make three bold, unapologetic, yet slightly controversial statements to which you, Joyce, will respond with either I agree or hmm, I disagree, and then you'll explain why. Okay, are you ready? I am ready. Number one, the new husband should raise the wife's kids as if they were his own. I disagree, with a caveat of a very small percentage of families. It really depends on how old the children are. I mean, if the children are babies or very, very young and this new man comes into their life and they are going to be growing up with him from the get-go and forming a deep attachment from the get-go, that's the exception to the rule. But otherwise... Like in my case, I have a 13 and a 15-year-old. If some, and I'm dating someone, but I'm not remarried, and I'm being very careful about how this person gets, becomes a part of my children's lives, because if we get married one day and he moves in and starts treating them as if he were their father, he's not. 
They are not mm-hmm. his children. And at this point, my children have a history, and unfortunately, because of the last couple of years, a weariness. Because mm-hmm. their father, for example, got remarried last fall, and then that woman who had done real damage in our family moved out. And mm. there's been a lot of chaos. And so for my children, who thank God are generally very healthy and able to talk about their feelings and things and get what they need, they, their template of adult relationships now is even more skewed than, or more chaotic and confusing than it was when their dad and I got divorced because we worked well together for a long time and that really supports kids. So the new husband um, maybe over time can raise, help raise the kids as if they were his own, but that new person needs to give the children time to get to know him and vice versa, and they each need to earn each other's respect. I mean, yes, you go in with the idea of everybody respecting each other, but that doesn't mean that the kids are intimate with that person, meaning telling their secrets, being physically affectionate, that takes time to develop and trust, and particularly depending on what kind of divorce the kids have experienced and how old they are. Got it. All right. Two more, okay? Mm-hmm. A woman can keep sentimental items of her marriage visible in the home and still feel a sense of having moved on. So in general, we say probably not. We don't agree. Oh, so you don't, you don't um, agree? Okay. Right, because it depends on her attachment to those things. If they are from the marriage and they were bought together during the marriage or given as gifts, uh, chances are she ought to just think really clearly about does she have an attachment to them and why would she want them in her new home? Okay. Because often there's an emotional attachment and that can get in the way of her relationship with her new partner. There are some things that you could keep, but you need to really examine why you're keeping them. Okay. Fair enough. Last, a blended family should have several dry runs before blending actually occurs. I would say yes. Uh, if what you mean by dry runs is meeting each other's children, spending time together in small amounts, and then increasing the time, yes, they should definitely all get to know each other as well as possible before moving in because living together as a family is a deeply intimate experience and it's best for people to know who the different players are so they have some ability to predict how things will go and so they can feel comfortable together. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. So now we can move into segment four. And because we are running out of time, I'm going to ask you to offer, instead of three did you knows, how about one Mm -hmm. really good did you know? So segment four is did you know, Joyce, you're going to offer one really great secret or relevant resource or interesting bit of knowledge that most of us don't know about. And if you would play along with me and begin each state and begin this this statement with, did Uh you know, and then complete it. Okay, so I'm going to offer one that's a little provocative. Um, Did you know that when a couple is divorcing, it is not always best for the children for either of their parents to stay in the shared family home? So I... (laughs) (laughs) So I was... I didn't know that. (laughs) 
I was working with a couple on Monday, two days ago. Uh, it's only our second meeting together. The wife is ready to move out. The husband is not ready yet, but that's what's going to happen. And she's not ready to move out. She's ready to separate from him and would like him to move out. So we were processing a lot of different things, and then we were getting to the point where we were going to start to put together the pieces of what does it mean for them, this particular couple, to separate. What would that look like? What do they each need? How would they each want to go? And I had heard a couple of comments by the wife about how, you know, he won't leave. So I said, let me just preface this before we get started, just food for thought, that it's not necessarily in the children's best interest for either of you to stay in the home with them. And a lot of women in particular feel, and a lot of men support this, feel that the wife ought to stay in the home with the children. Now, often it depends, that's because she's been the primary caregiver, but the truth is that while that might be ideal, it's not always. I mean, financially, maybe they can't afford that home, and it's, maybe it's not worth the extra stress financially to, to do backflips to make that happen. But also, mm-hmm. my colleague, David Sanders, he and his wife, Rita Sanders, they're the people that originally came up with the idea for this book. He said that years, about eight years after his divorce, his then young adult son was talking with him. They had arranged it so that um, his ex-wife stayed in the home with the kids that they had all been in together. And his son said many years later, Dad, I didn't like being in that home. You guys Mm -hmm. argued in that home. That's the home where the breakup occurred. It wasn't good to be there. So just to say there's a lot of things to be considered besides our initial urges and Mm -hmm. our own emotional things that we assume. So I'm trying to open up the thinking box with that comment. That's a great comment. And, you know, I wish I had asked that, like, when we first started, because I would love to delve into that. That's such a great statement, and it's so provocative that it really requires further discussion, <laughs> which, I, which we, don't, we don't have time for. And, and, and I need to move <laughs> to segment five, which is yes. the offer, Joyce. What, would you, what offer or resource or giveaway do you have for our listeners? So I am offering a complimentary discussion, I'm sorry, discovery session, which means that if people uh, have questions about some things that I've said or would like a little bit of help thinking uh, about how to move on with the divorce or finish moving out or to move in, that I'm offering a free discovery session so we can talk about that a bit. That's wonderful. Thank you for that generous offer, Joyce. And the, the last segment is our wrap-up, and it's time to say goodbye, Joyce. Do you have any <laughs> final thoughts, points of clarification, information for our listeners, including how to contact you, especially about your generous offer? Okay. So first of all, my website, I think you've already said it, is drjoycefine.com. That's a good way to reach me. My email is Dr. Joyce, D-R-J-O-Y-C-E at drjoycefine, F-I-N-E dot com. And I guess the main piece I would like to leave with people thinking about or trying to open up to is that every divorce is different. And people can be more creative than they may realize 
about what they want for a divorce. I spoke with another client recently. She was making all kinds of assumptions about the hours she'd have to work, who would have the child, et cetera, when she and her husband get divorced. And I said, well, wait a minute. What would you like to have happen? She said, well, that can't happen. I said, well, wait a minute. What can you like to have happen? And then we started thinking about it that way. And people doing their own thinking before they start getting advice from people and realizing that these are two people that most likely were once in love and planning a life together, that with a lot of good, deep intention, they can create a divorce that will work better for them than leaving it up to a judge or someone else. And so to have as much discussion as possible, to communicate as much as possible with your partner about what you need, what he or she needs to move forward in your lives and to parent your kids well together, it's almost like the sky is the limit. You can be more creative than you might imagine. You can be more creative than you might imagine. That's a great final statement, Joyce. Um, and I thank you so much for being my guest today. Mainline thank Family you, Law Center. You're welcome. You're so welcome. Mainline Family Law Center can be reached via the website myhealthydivorce.com. Spend time on their website because it is full of useful information to help you. The website is beautifully designed and easy to navigate. I can be reached via my website, yourresiliencecoach.com. Please join us again for another insightful conversation to help you achieve a healthy divorce. Be sure to check out myhealthydivorce.com for all the details. Until then, remember, you can have a healthy divorce. It's how you divorce that matters.